2: Welcome, everyone, to the Direct Snap. I am your humble host, David West. We are two weeks away from draft day. It's an exciting time of year. This time of year, we always try to get different prospects overall, try to get guys that are looking to get looks in the NFL, tell their story. That's what we're going to be doing here tonight. We have two draft prospects that will be joining us at 9 and 9.30. And we will also be talking about um, the big trade that happened today. Joe will elaborate a little more on that. And also, we will be going over just a few different things buy or sell um, throughout the show. You know, we'll have a little bit of breaks buy or sell. You know, there's just the concept. You know, do you buy trading up that many picks, or do you sell and say, hey, this is crazy? So we're going to do that tonight. But let me bring in my partner, Joe Klein. Um, it's been a while since I've actually hosted a show. Joe is in the back seat tonight, but as always, Joe, how are you this evening? And I'm doing pretty darn good, man. Pretty darn good. As I said, it's two weeks before draft time. I know you're excited. Uh, lots of things have happened um, today. A big, huge blockbuster trade between the Tennessee Titans and the St. Louis. Not the St. Louis. Um, gee whiz. We're off to a bad start. Um, the Rams. Los was Angeles. A big Los Angeles Rams. Plus- Los Angeles Rams, I'm sorry, uh, you know, with a huge trade today. And also, the schedules got printed out. Everyone got to see their schedules. I think Joe and I will save that until after the draft, particularly in... Uh, because it's going to be a whole show segment. We're going to talk about you know, strength of schedule after people do their analytical thoughts on it. But Joe, let's jump straight into something that happened historical last night, and it's the last game of Kobe Bryant. He... Um, obviously played for the Los Angeles Lakers for 20 years. Um, This is a football show, but we have to respect the legacy. Kobe left on not only basketball, but just the sports world in general. You had several NFL players tweet at the Black Mamba last night, giving their respects. And, you know, this guy dropped 60 last night. No one saw that from Kobe Bryant. He left us in all he left the game with a bang literally uh he brought his team back from 10 13 behind with about 250 and he won in the game the last game of the season kobe is a hero and joe i want your perspective on the black mamba just briefly uh how do you think not only has he changed basketball but just the world of sports in general a guy that's played for one franchise for 20 years and that's just you don't find that anymore. I mean, the next guy will more than likely be Tim Duncan. But, you know, just overall, what do you think about Kobe's Kobe Bryant's legacy
0: uh, in sports? The thing about Kobe, and, you know, you hear a lot of people say it, and just really honestly it's the best term, is Kobe has become the ambassador of basketball it's everywhere, not just the United States, not just in Los Angeles, but the world. Kobe Bryant is the ambassador of basketball, you know. Everybody loves and respects Kobe. He just the way he you know, you may not have to like Kobe, but you can't love Kobe's game. You can't not love Kobe's game, I mean. Just the way he went about it. The the competitive fierceness, you know, he's a guy that would <laughs> 10 times out of 10 rather beat you every day of the week than to ever let you win. And, and it was that mentality. It was the, the never ending relentless attack, you know? Yeah. He put up a lot of shots, but because of that, he has five championships. You know, he was one of the greatest players to ever play, not only the game, but to play sports, you know, being the fact that I grew up in the Kobe Bryant era, um, you know, it made me a sports fan. It made me love basketball. I remember being a little kid watching Kobe and Shaq. I actually, uh, not to encourage betting on sports fans, but the first uh, first game I ever, I won 20 bucks. I remember uh, betting with a family friend that the Lakers would beat the uh, Kings and go on to win the finals, and they did that with Kobe and Shaq. And it's just been fun to watch him ever since. I think he inspired guys like Carmelo Anthony, Dwayne Wade, one of my biggest idols, LeBron James, um, just he is the figurehead. You know, everybody wanted to be like Mike. Everybody wants, still, you know, wants to be like Mike. But if you look at the guys today, the, the, you ask them or you hear what they're saying in the, in the streets, it's not Mike anymore, they're talking about Kobe. And, you know, when you can be that guy, that guy that puts himself in the, even in the same conversation, whether it's widely known as the greatest man to ever play the sport ever, I think that says everything uh, it needs to say about the way Kobe not only affected basketball, but affected sports. I mean, Michael Jordan's known throughout the world, and so is Kobe Bryant.
2: You know, something I want to bring up to the Snap family, that and any new listeners, if you want to call in 714-333-3302, give us a shout. Uh, We will talk anything you want. Uh, If you want to talk about Kobe for a few minutes, um, so, baby, if you want to talk about the NFL draft, talk about a prospect that you think's a sleeper, go for it. Joe, or I, Joe and I are ready for the task. Something that you know stood out to me, to Kobe Bryant, was not only did he affect just Americans, but the way he was a global ambassador, ambassador to the sport. You know, yes, Michael did a lot of things. Yes, Michael did the same kind of things. But just the way Kobe reached out to people, he can speak about it. Nine different languages, and you know, a lot of people are like, Well, he came straight from high school. What does he know? He doesn't have a college degree. So, what Kobe is very smart, and the way he's affected not only the American culture, he's had his hand on European play. I think he's a partial owner for a franchise over there. And also, the fact that Asia, the people in Asia just love Kobe Bryant, and he goes to China, he goes to Japan. People go literally eight to see Kobe. So, Not a knock on Jordan because I still think he's the greatest NBA player to ever play, but I just think Kobe had a better global ambassador standpoint to it, and he left the game on good terms. You know, Jordan made a mistake, went off and played baseball, came back, he was overweight. He just didn't perform. Kobe left the game on great regret that this is it. I'm happy with my decision. It's not that there's a possibility. You can tell Kobe's happy with it. Now, will he be back in the Lakers, you know, in the next year? A personnel advisor suggesting trades. Obviously, he could have some influence on big guys coming to the team. But that's what I have all on Kobe. And I'm just going to move away from that because this is a football show. We're not going to dread – or not dread. We're not going to celebrate Kobe too long. But talk about it and we'll talk Kobe. But he had a ginormous trade that, you know, shocked the world. Um, everyone We police report, according to Matt Miller, said he had, I wouldn't say predicted it, but he had put up a buzz that back in January. He said that the rings were high. And unless you were working late today or if you stayed off the Internet and this is the first time you're listening to, you know, anything, you know, this is a huge trade. Uh, the Rams jumped from 15 to 1. That's the largest first-time jump in NFL history. History. Now, Joe, we've seen so many big trades in the last few years, but 15 to 1, that is huge.
0: Yeah, it was pretty impressive, and it was pretty crazy. At first, I won't lie, when I woke up, I thought it was going to be fake. I'm like, no, no. I'm going to give it like two or three minutes and wait for it to say it's a hoax, and then – more just kept pouring in, pouring in, so I jumped on Bleach Report, I jumped on NFL.com, ESPN, you know, checking, making sure everybody's got this posted, everybody's acknowledging that this is true, and indeed it was, so then, you know, once I saw the compensation, which we'll obviously talk to you in a little bit, I was just, I was impressed, you know, but I even said the other day, I was talking to somebody, um, you know, in a in a sports group page, and we were talking about the, the rumors of the Titans making some uh, calls in the last few days, and I said one of the teams that I thought was making the calls was Los Angeles. So, I saw that, and it was surprising, but not that surprising.
2: Well, obviously, at this point, you know, it's kind of clear of what they're trying to accomplish. Let's give you the details, folks. The Rams uh, get the first overall pick. The Titans receive 2016, uh, 15th overall pick, as well as the 43rd, the 45th, and seven selections in the 2016, or in set Joe, I'm reading your notes on the snap page. Is it a seventh round selection or is it seven other selections? I'm sorry, 76th overall
0: selection. This is the sixth there. I'll have to edit that.
2: Okay, 76th overall as well as a first and third rounder for the next year. So, you know, it's a huge deal. And also, the Rams will receive the 113th overall and the 177th, some late round picks to kind of buffer this huge deal. But, Joe, you know, obviously we think we know who the Rams are targeting at this point. We're trying to leapfrog the Cleveland Browns, and that's apparent because Cleveland is obviously eyeing one of the top two quarterbacks, Carson Wentz or Jared Goff. Uh, who's the guy? I mean, personally, I've said that Cleveland and Carson Wentz would be a per- perfect pick, and I think that if you have Jared Goff and the Rams, I think it would be a good match. But in your opinion, who are the Rams going to target with that first overall pick?
0: Um, I, I'm i a believer that they're going to go with the uh, California kid in Jared Goff. I think, you know, it, to to pay homage to the man who's not here tonight, uh, Tyler and I, every draft year, we always talk about the last two weeks before the draft being, you know, some of the most important, not just for us, but for GMs too, because as much as you love the combine, as much as you love pro days, you fall too much in love with workouts. And all of us here at Direction App have been very – honest and forthright in our feelings towards how much stock we put into those numbers, unlike, you know, your traditional style of thinking. And this is the time where you go back to the tape, where you go back to the film, where you watch these guys in college, you watch how they played. And I think that's where Jared Goff shines over Carson Wentz. You know, granted he won games, but I've watched film on these two. I've watched them both in several games. And when I watch these two, there's, there's, there's there's a notable difference to me between the pure mechanics of a guy like Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, you know, talk about potential, talk about what you will. But to me, the most pro ready guy is Goff. He's ready to come in. Now, again, you know, I've been vocal about, I think he should even take some time before starting, but when it comes to being the guy who could come in and do it, I think he's the guy, you know, I, I see Carson Wentz and I see his footwork. I see him getting a little flinchy under pressure sometimes, Um, And when you're talking about he played in the the subdivision in college football, you're talking about making a leap to the pros against the best pass rushers, the best athletes in the game. And I think that it might be more of an adjustment for him than people are estimating. Um, So, for me, I think that the Rams, they go into L.A. with a bang, get the L.A. kid in Carson Wentz, or I'm sorry, not Carson Wentz, Jared Koff, bring him to town, lead this offense, and get Jeff Fisher what's hopefully going to be a franchise quarterback for this team for the first time since he's been there, other than Sam Bradford, um, which obviously injuries and everything led him to Philadelphia. Uh, but I think it's a, it's a really important selection here. They, they moved a lot of assets to get their guy. So they better hope they choose the right guy. For me, that's, that's golf.
2: You know, I totally
0: agree with you that that's something that, you know, they um,
2: moved the assets, you know, a famous quote, From Draft Day, I think. Joe, have you seen Draft Day? No. The movie? Oh, you never saw Draft Day? Well, there's a quote in that that talks about, you know, um, the main character's mother calls him and saying, you know, you traded up pretty much, um, you know, in the draft for three magic beans, and, you know, you expect it to be, um, you know, a beanstalk. Well, you know, the same thing applies. So, you know, I'm going to spend this for our very first – Buy or sell question of the night. I mean, there's going to be – they're going to pop up. I think Joe's going to have a few for me. I'm going to have a few for him. But throughout the night, buy or sell. So, with that being said, do you buy the Los Angeles Rams' decision to get their um, franchise quarterback, or do you think they could have been more strategic about it and, um, you know, gone a different way, sell the point that they could have been a little more strategic instead of selling everything they had
0: to get this pick? Joe, buy yourself. I'm going to buy it. Um, and there's a few reasons I'm going to buy it. Uh, reason number one is that Les Snead has done a good job in the draft the last several years acquiring <clears throat> excuse me, a ton of talent through the draft that are guys that are starters on his team now. And they've, you know, they did slowly let a few go and replace replaced them with some free agents here or there, but they have a lot of talent, so a lot of youth that they've done a really good job of building on, and I think that they feel very confident with a lot of the players that they have in places, particularly on the defensive side of the football. But that being said, you look at the quarterback situation that this team has and has had for the last few seasons, it's just been futile. You got a guy last year in Todd Gurley who showed just how dynamic he can be, and I think the Rams looked looked at that and they thought of one thing, Adrian Peterson. What's the one thing that's caused Adrian Peterson not to be a winner in Minnesota with that team? In my opinion, until they got Teddy Bridgewater was a lack of a good quarterback. A lot of people say the same thing. He you know, lost a lot of years of his prime being a dominant runner, not having somebody who could lead them into the playoffs. And I think that's what L.A. is looking for here. Obviously, they've had a 15. You know, Obviously, Paxton, Hackenberg, Connor Cook, all those guys are going to be available. But to me, this showed that they believe this is a two-man race. Uh, obviously, when they go up to number one even, you've got to think they, there's a guy that they love that they think can be the next big thing for them. And when you see what they did to get up to one, obviously they have a pretty good feeling about that. We've watched them also, though, be the team that's done this to other teams two or three times in the last few seasons being the team at the top of the draft who trades down and gets a ton of picks. And, you know, they, 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 they use those resources well. That's why I buy this, you know. Yes, you sell a lot of it right now, but you get your quarterback, you ride it out for the next year or two in terms of the draft, and you have a ton of talent already. I think it was a, 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 great, a great risk, but we'll see if there's the reward. Yeah, I think there's
2: a lot of great, you know, rewards that could come. This. But there's always the cautious thing, you know, drafting a quarterback that's not a sure-fire number one overall pick. It's not an Andrew Luck. It's not a guy that, you know, is a Peyton Manning, a guy that, you know, necessarily is the difference maker right away. The debate has been all year, who's better? Carson Wentz, Jared Goff. And then you got to throw, I think, Paxton Lynch in the mix too, just because I think he has the most upside at quarterback in this draft and he could be the best, uh, harder from this draft class so you know obviously they have a guy obviously we don't know who it is because both quarterbacks were worked out by the Rams so we don't know exactly who it's going to be and that's where if you look in the past of you know certain guys certain ways obviously they didn't feel um, too confident about Sean Mannion who was, you know, Oregon State alumni, big arm, um, big guy. If I had to guess on who they scout, and this is just based on gut feeling, if they get a guy like Sean Mannion, who was six six, you know, 230, it's likely they'll go after Carson Wentz because they've already established that they want a big quarterback, a guy that has all the physical tools as well as a big arm. I'm just worried about, you know, his film was not super impressive to me. And, you know, with the – Rams risking pretty much everything on this one quarterback, then, you know, obviously I think a lot of people say the Titans are going to come out on this trade as the winners. They're going to get so many difference makers. They're going to continue to build build around Marcus Mariota, get some more playmakers for him, get a running back. You gave them so much ammo to help out Marcus Mariota. It's not even funny. You go from, well, the Rams have done a good job from getting offensive linemen for the last few years. I give them credit for that. They've been building toward this. Because I think they knew Sam Bradford wasn't gonna be the answer. I think they knew that Austin Davis, John Manny, and all these guys that you know, it's been a you know, carousel for a while. I think that just throwing this whole thing on one quarterback, particularly a rookie quarterback, is gonna be extremely risky. And Rams fans need to brace for the fact that you lost, you know, four bets, five vets that made that defense sound. Obviously, you're not going to give up on Aaron Donald. bank here in the next few years. And, you know, you have so many other guys that are looking solid. But I'm just not a fan of the trade. I'm going to sell the point only because that I think it's too risky. The reason I would buy it is because you moved your whole franchise. You're starting over. The Los Angeles Rams are back. You've got your franchise running back. You've got um, a very good young offensive line. You've got a very good defense. Still, I mean, it's respectively, yeah, you lost some pieces, but that happens when, you know, you don't have all that. But the reason you should be excited is that it's a brand-new beginning. Even the legendary Eric Dickerson tweeted out today that he was a huge fan of this trade, and he, he was looking forward to seeing what the Rams did to the pair. So just putting that out there, that if one of the greatest running backs to ever play the game says, hey, you know, I like this, uh, obviously that, you know, you're doing something right. So, uh, Joe, I want to spin something here, uh, and I want to talk about uh, a little bit. Actually, I want to remind folks, 9 o'clock we have DeAndre, DeAndre Thomas from Carson Newman joining us. Uh, he's a prospect in the 2016 draft. And at 9.30 we have Damon Lumpkin from Glenville State College. He's a wide receiver. He's also a draft prospect. Uh got two great interviews back-to-back um, here on the direct stat tonight. If you want to call in, 714-333-3302. Um, and also you, you want to hit up us on Facebook, ask us a question, or the Twitter page, give us some follows on there, you know. Um, direct Hat or direct underscore snap, is that correct, Joe?
0: That's correct. Right. Okay.
2: I just wanted to be sure. So, uh, hit us up on there. You know, we don't bite. Uh, Joe is a great football mind. Uh, Joe gives me a lot of credit, but, you know, we're equals here. So I want to spend an, a little bit of time before we have one, our first guest come on for this night and talk about North Philadelphia Eagles. Before I have a little time to talk about my Dolphins, um, Billy, what's going on here? I mean, I've heard the two laughingstock GMs are the two guys that are complete pawns in this draft is uh, Mike Tenenbaum for the Miami Dolphins and Howie for, you know, the Philadelphia uh, Eagles. What's going on in Philly? I mean, do you have any clarity of what you think they might do in the next few days? I've heard they're going to trade up to the second overall pick. I've heard they're staying put and getting Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, it's a game. Obviously, they're trying to throw people off their pick. But you being a diehard Philly fan, what's your thoughts and what's going on?
0: Um, I feel like I feel like the year off did Howie good. Um, Jeff Jeff just literally sent him to go learn, go learn from the best. And you know, a lot of people, you know, he got a bad rep for not being fun to play with, not being nice to play with. Um, you know, kind of being a little bit cocky, a little bit arrogant. But I think this this season off and and then Jeff kind of taking him out for a little bit and, and you know having that experiment it really helped Howie. And as you've seen, Dave, for the most part this offseason, I've been pretty in tune with what he's doing and, and everything like that. And I'd like to tell you that I had some crazy insider access, but I don't. Just, I've got a good feel for Howie and, and how he approaches things. Um, I've I've obviously been an Eagles fan for so long, and a lot of it through the Roseman era, that I've really learned his approach to the draft, free agency, et cetera, et cetera. And there's a couple of reasons why I don't think Philly's – Philly's moving unless uh, unless the unthinkable and in my heart happens. Um, because you look at the trade today for for the Titans, and the, the Rams gave up five picks and still swapped. Now, granted, they moved up 14 positions. Philly would only be moving up six. It's still six positions, though, and it's for an obvious clear-cut guy uh, that they want. And the biggest the biggest thing with that is that Philly just doesn't have the ammo that the Rams have. We have this year's first, then we have two third round picks, a four, two fifths, and a sixth and a seventh. And when you look at that, there's just not enough there to 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 offer them this year unless you obviously got next year you have to give up next year's one, next year's two um, so you'd probably be looking at giving up a one this year, two thirds this year, and then a one and a three next year, all just to move up to the second overall pick, unless Philly trades Fletcher Cox. Um, and the only reason that I say that is because nobody's talking about it, nobody's saying it, but the extension isn't done. They keep talking about trades, and it's obvious we don't have the draft picks. So what do you do? You Dangle the guy who apparently may have been offered last year. And, and that horrifies him because he is our best football player. Um, but the way that I feel is when you, make a, when you make a trade with Miami and you give up two players, you know, that are assets that help, you know, soften the blow of not giving up extra draft picks, why would you do that to just move up to eight? Why wouldn't you do that with a team that has needs that cornerback and linebacker like Cleveland, like Tennessee, and offer that in a package with draft picks. Why wouldn't you do that? when you trade DeMarco Murray to the Titans? Why wouldn't you sweeten the pot with some draft picks or maybe another player? You know, you trade him DeMarco Murray, you trade him Byron Maxwell, you trade him Kiko Alonso, and then you swap first, give him two-thirds, and you move up to one. That's just why, to me, the logic doesn't make sense to go to eight and then go from eight to two or eight to, you know, one to me, it just there's too much to give up. We've already given up a lot. You either give up your defensive cornerstone or you literally got yourself for two years in the draft. And I think that he knows that that's not smart with this team in the state and it's in right now. So I think Philly stands, Pat. And I think the guys that you're looking at, like you already said, a guy like Ezekiel Elliott, I know that we like him a lot. I know that we have a glaring need at running back. And Howie has said, you know, I'm not so much into devaluing running backs because, you know, if he's a great versatile player and the, you know, the fit and the need and the scheme all work and he can be a smash mouth player for us, then make the pick. Um, So, but I also think that if he's there, Vernon Hargreaves could definitely be in play as well, just because he's not necessarily going to be forced to come in and be the one. Oh, we are going to take a pause there real quick guys. Um, I'm going to introduce real fast here before Dave takes on the interview, we are going to be introducing quarterback DeAndre Thomas out of Carson Newman, 5'11", 203, and uh, here we go. DeAndre, are you there?
1: Yes, sir. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing wonderful this evening. Welcome to the direct snap. You are joined by, obviously, me, David West. Uh, we are joined by DeAndre Thomas. Quarterback of Carson Newman, Joe Klein is my humble host. Um, DeAndre, if you have any questions for him or he he's gonna chime in a little bit too. But we have an
0: exclusive okay. for
2: the NFL uh-huh. draft. We are definitely looking forward to the draft two weeks away, and DeAndre has taken time out of his day. He's a busy guy. Carson Newman, not too far from me. I'm in the South Carolina area. I'm up in Gaffney. So, you know, uh Actually, DeAndre, before we get to see you, uh, when you actually played Limestone College in Gaffney, um, I remember you beating up on the line. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, you were an impressive athlete. You're a dual athlete. You're a guy that, you know, can also run the ball very well. You're a guy that throws with tremendous accuracy. And, you know, folks, this guy, you know, when you mean dual threat, this guy is just going to um, tear it up. If he needs to take off, he will. Um, does a very good job putting the ball in the right place. But let's talk about your background story. Baldwin High School was, you know, your starting ground, and then you get recruited by legendary coach Ken Sparks. Tell me about the recruiting process and getting recruited by arguably one of the greatest college football coaches ever to coach.
1: Uh, okay. Uh, well, first it was kind of up and down at first. I you know, getting a lot of a lot of uh, big-time looks from D1 schools, but most of them wanted me to look as – wanted me to be an athlete coming into the school instead of just quarterback. And then probably around January, maybe mid-January, I get a call from the recruiting coordinator, Coach Huxle, and um, I, he got me up there on a visit, and they was calling me and saying they wanted to give me a full ride on the offer, and then I came up there on a visit, And I just loved the place. I talked to Coach Sparks. He was a uh, great coach. He just uh, made me feel at home when I was there. And they also challenged me coming in to play as a freshman. And I played in seven games as a freshman. And then the next three years, I just took off from there with the starting job.
2: Well, you know, Coach Sparks, a lot of people don't know how big of a name he is. You know, he's up there. With and winning percentage and winning games with Bear Bryant and certain guys down at like Mountain Union. And this guy yeah. is one of the best, you know, ever be. Um, DeAndre is a 2015 All American. He also played in the National Bowl All Star game. We'll get to that in just a bit. And, you know, he just mentioned he was a starter for three years. You know, he took the reins over and he completely just took over. Uh, he had a lot of close games, he was so productive. And you also had your pro day not too long ago. You ran about a four six from what I've been yes, told. Sir. And you had thirty four on the vertical, you know, broad jump was a nine three. Bench press was about a sixteen if I'm correct.
1: So correct.
2: you know, so a lot of different athleticism and this is what NFL seems like. Joe's actually a big Philadelphia Eagles fan and he's had a lot of different athletic quarterbacks come through. Um is there any type of quarterback that you know you mold your game around in the league today, or someone that even has retired, or someone that is in the CFL, NFL? Who's that guy that you know you tell people I mold my game around? I try to play like him.
1: Um, it's, it's several quarterbacks. I kind of feel like when I was in high school, it was I grew up watching Michael Vick a lot, but now since I've been in college and watching Tyrod Taylor, I really mold my game around Tyrod Taylor. And uh, because he's just a mobile quarterback, he also has the knowledge that he can make every throw. And also, when it's time to get up out the pocket, he can uh, move out of the pocket as well. And not just Tyrod Taylor and Michael Vick, but I also kind of, for my knowledge of the game, I kind of like to compare myself to Peyton Manning because he is well prepared for every game and... That's how I like to prepare uh myself in college. Even though in college I prepare myself the same way payment prepares itself at the next level. So and that's very, very important once you're in college 'cause and then going to the next level because everybody good, so now you have to you have to make sure that you and your receivers and, and your whole offense is on the same page to be able to execute.
2: And that's a an, um huge important factor that you have a great relationship with the guys that are blocking for you. Um, the guys that you play against in practice, someone that's going to make you better. And Coach Sparks does a good job motivating his players to Mm -hmm. be the very best, give them the great opportunities. Um, You know, tradition is very big at Carson Newman. I think this is his 30th season this year. So, you know, he's still doing it strong. Let's talk about a guy that um, you're teammates with, a guy that I actually mentor and I've actually had a close eye on. I haven't talked to him in a few weeks. Um, but Emmanuel Orange on the off, um, opposite side of the ball, what kind of hell has he given you throughout the time he's been over at Carson Newman? Has he made you a better guy? Have y'all pushed each other through this process of the NFL draft uh, process? How have, um What kind of relationship do you have with Emmanuel Orange?
1: Oh, we very we are very close, uh, closer than most people think because. I mean, anytime we're not out on the field, we, we either in the room together thinking of ways to just be great. We always hit calling each other up uh, for workouts outside of football. And on the field, man, I just every day we I challenge the defense and him. I say if we were going up the one-on-ones, I'll call him out, and then I'll go at quarterback and point to my receiver. So it's just every day just competing, competing against each other. I just make sure – Every time we go into a drill where we're competing, I just make sure we're all focused and locked in. And I, by doing that, I just call him out and he'll respond the right way and just we'll just be competing the whole practice. And that kind of – and, and um, us doing that, that make the other guys around us, the other players around us want to come up to a high level and compete as well. That's an excellent answer. I'm going to spin this to Joe. Uh,
2: Joe, do you have any questions for our guest this evening? I know you had a few written down. Um, particularly as like a local quarterback with a decent arm.
0: Um, do you have any kind of um, questions for him tonight? I do. um see, Andrew, when you, you know, you kind of talked about some of the guys you modeled your game after and everything like that, and, uh, you know, I, I got the chance to look at your um, your statistics from your, uh, your pro day and the highlight film and everything like that. And I want to know, you know, like you said, you prepare very well, uh, especially in college. You, you know, you approach the game at a different level, which is really important when you go to the next level. And I want to know, because of that, does the success of guys like Russell Wilson and some of the, you know, Tyron Taylor and some of the, you know, the mobile guys or some of the guys, you know, who, who don't fit the giant six-foot-five frame that the NFL always talks about, but you're, you're the appropriate size, you're a great athlete, you're a great preparer. You know, you look like you look at the guy's, who are doing it in the NFL, like Russell Wilson, like Tyrod Taylor, who mm-hmm. almost led the Bills to the playoffs. Does that give you motivation and confidence heading into the draft process that you can do the same kind of thing?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. It just watching those guys because mobile quarterbacks are kind of taking taking over the league kind of more. And just seeing those guys out there, Russell Wilson 5'11", making great plays, even been to the Super Bowl two years back to back, and then – we see what happened with Tyrod Taylor this year when he's getting a starting role. He led the Bills to like an 8-5 and five season. And just, just seeing that gives me more confidence. and it just drives me every day when I'm going to work out and preparing for this whole process, just keeping, keeping a strong faith in God and just knowing that these guys, I kind of have the same ability and the same package put together as these guys and just praying for that one opportunity and make the most of it.
0: Uh, I like it. You know, you, like you said, it really is it's changing in the NFL when you start to see a lot of these guys who who are mobile or guys who, you know, don't fit the prototypical build that have great success. Like, you know, like you said, Russell went to two Super Bowls in an incredible situation in Seattle, you know, and that team is not filled with offensive stars. You know, Russell does a really good job bonding with right. the guys around him, being a leader, and, you know, that's important. Um, but you opened up talking about, you know, your, your process heading into college, about, you know, you wanted to be able to go to a school that would let you play quarterback, and, and you were able to do that and showcase your skills. But I do have, mm-hmm. to, do have to ask, if, you know, you get to the next level and say, you know, the NFL says we want you, but we want you at a different position, are you willing to do that? And if so, what kind of positions do you think you'd be able to play in the NFL?
1: Uh, of course I'm willing to uh, change up the position, any any role for the team to help the team get better. And uh, I've been getting a couple calls saying that uh, we want to see you as a slot receiver kind of guy or receiver, or we might see you as a safety because my forty time is kind of fit for a safety range. And so i just been preparing for all those positions, not just quarterback. So I have to do three times as much as a next guy who would just be working receiver? So I got to, when I'm preparing, I have to prepare for quarterback, receiver, and safety because I never know what team would, would like to see me as. So whenever a call comes, say, hey, we want to see you at the slot receiver, I'm there, I'm ready. I got, I've been prepared for, to practice this slot receiver position. Or well, if I get a call at safety, I'm here, I'm there, I've been practicing this safety position. So it's just really a toss-up for me. It's really
0: interesting, though, too, that you get to, to, to have, you know, sites on two different sides of the ball, teams interested in you, that really shows your range of athleticism. Mm-hmm.
2: I think it's extremely important, you know, the way you've answered this, that you're willing to do anything for the team, willing anything to, you know, be a team player, play any role that your coach wants you to do. That's sometimes the ticket from being, you know, cut from a team to saying, hey, you know, We have that last spot that we need a guy like you that's willing to play any spot. If your number's call, you're going to. A guy that I like your game around a lot, and a lot of people might know about him, you might know about him, particularly with last year's draft class, he's not a household name. Uh, He was in camp with the Philadelphia Eagles, and now Mm -hmm. he actually signed a three-year contract in the CFL. So he's still doing it pretty big. Is Aaron Wilmer from Delaware Valley. Have you ever talked
1: to Aaron, or are you familiar with his game? Uh, I think I've kinda heard of him before, but I'm not I haven't really watched him or been familiar watching the film on him.
2: Well, he's a guy that you remind me a lot of and Aaron's a great guy. He's just like you and, you know, so many different ways on the tape. You both got um both of you have that humble attitude that you want to be the winner first. And that's, you know, a very clean comparison. Aaron is also a smaller quarterback. He's mobile, extremely productive, is um his teammate Rashid Bailey plays for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's on the practice squad, so you know that's mm-hmm. what I see your game a lot. Like, um, let's also talk about something that means a lot to this direct snap family. That's the Miami Dolphins. Um, this is a Miami Dolphins kind of base show, but Joe also gives his sense, and we're more based on the whole NFL in particular. But this will be um, music to Miami Dolphins um, fans that we have listening tonight. That mm-hmm. you related to Rasheed Jones, all-pro safety, one of my favorite safeties that um, plays in the league. I'm a huge fan of him. Has he given you any kind of guidance going forward with this huge grind? Because
1: Rasheed Jones
2: isn't just a pushover. He's arguably the best safety in the league right
1: now. Uh, Yeah, uh, he definitely was the best safety last year, I thought, stat-wise. But um, I kind of tried to reach out to him a little bit. I guess he, you know – when you at the next level you kinda of got a busy lifestyle but he had got back to me but I'll continue to reach out to him until he get back to me. And I also I was down there um at Fort Lauderdale area for a Green Bay Packers workout with Alonzo Hosmill. But he didn't he didn't reach back to me so I'm just kinda of waiting for him to kinda of give me a call back. But I'm just being as humble as I can, then whenever that chance comes for him to give me correct guidance, I'll be there to
2: listen to him the whole step of the way. Folks, tonight we are joined by DeAndre Thomas, quarterback of Carson Newman. Uh, uh, you know, DeAndre, I'm going to try to help you out. I'm going to reach out to um, Highsmith. I met Mr. Highsmith. I know Mr. Highsmith. We don't talk on a regular basis, but I know enough uh-huh. to know that we're So I'll try to do my best to put in a plug for you. Okay. So I'm not a huge name, but you know, like I said, Joe puts me on this pedestal that I really don't exist, uh, or not really don't exist, but I really don't deserve. And you know, I know people in the league. (laughs) I know a lot. um, You know, but let's talk about a few more things before we let you go this evening. Uh, Let's talk about or. Um, time with the National Bowl. You were a National Bowl All-Star. Obviously, it's an All-Star game to give you public exposure to try to get you some scouts looking at you. Tell me about your experience with the National Bowl.
1: Uh, it was a great experience. To me, it was very organized, and it was a bunch of scouts out there. It was like 30 scouts from all around uh, CFL and NFL, So, and the practices, they were ran very well, and it gave me a chance to so the scouts, you know, in college I was in the inside of offense, so it gave the scouts a chance to see me at, in the shotgun offense, which is where I'm better fit at in the spread. And I was able to just run the offense and just do what the coaches asked of me down there. And the coaches was great as well. And I loved the offense and the players. I, I was able to build great bonds with the players down there as well.
2: All right, you know, the National Bowl was a great place. I actually had a few of the guys. I'm a um, pro player mentor. I try to help out as many guys as I can, give them advice. I had a few guys actually in that game. So, um,
1: Jonte Berry, who was blocking probably for you. I don't know what team were you are on to. I was on the uh, white team. We won. My team actually won the game 12-9, to 9, I think.
2: And, you know, National Bowl is a great um, bowl game. to get great exposure. Um, these guys need this. And, you know, DeAndre, I'm sure set the pedal still high. He had a very good pro day, and before we wrap things up this evening, uh, there's just a few rapid fire questions I want to ask you. Um, just you know, if basic things, nothing too tedious. Um, you know, Joe might throw in one or two, but we'll probably do a total of six. I might ask four, but are you ready for just a few rapid fire questions? Just something down to earth, kind of fun.
1: Okay, that's cool with me.
2: All right, PS3 or Xbox.
1: Xbox One.
2: Xbox One. All right. You know, that's what I have. Actually, I have a 360. I haven't been able to upgrade yet, but I play a lot of Madden. Um, With that being said, tacos or burgers?
1: Uh, Tacos.
2: So, do you have any questions? Rapid fire? All
0: right, man. If you play Xbox One, I got to know what you play.
1: Uh, right now it's mainly Madden because I really college my favorite game on the 360 NCAA, but I'm waiting for them to come out with another college because that's my favorite game. But right now I'll just be playing Madden. A little FIFA. I don't really fool with 2K too much, but FIFA is a real good game if anybody would like to play that.
0: Very nice, very nice. Maybe we'll have to, uh, have to play some Madden together sometime, man.
1: All right. <laughs> uh,
0: here's,
2: here's one. Johnny Bravo or
1: Scooby-Doo? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, Johnny Bravo. I like Johnny Bravo. He's smooth. That's awesome. (laughs)
0: Um,
2: Scooby-Doo, I I definitely watch a lot. My girlfriend and I probably watch that. Whenever those new movies come out, yeah, it's a bad, um, you know, confession, but I I do like Scooby-Doo. DeAndre, (laughs) if you had a prospective general manager sitting right in front of you right now, you have a minute to tell him why you think he is a good fit or why do you think you're a good fit for his franchise, what would you tell this general manager?
1: Uh, I would tell him main thing, I bring the best work ethic on the team want nobody be able to outwork me, and then I'll make the players around who hang out around me work harder than what they have been working when they get there. And I'm just a team player. I'm always positive. No matter what type of situation comes around, I can be a negative situation. I'm still going to find a way to turn it positive. Uh, I have I have a great character, and I'm a good spiritual spiritual leader on it and off the field. You know, with, without uh, the Lord, none of this would be possible for any, any of us, and I think that's a good foundation to have when you at that level because, you know, you can have money, to, you can be able to have a bunch of money and do whatever you want with it, but without that solid foundation with the Lord, it, it, none of that stuff really means anything.
2: No, I totally agree with you. That's something general managers would love to hear. And, you know, you just got a very good interview with the team. They're going to bring you in for, um, you know, training camp and give you a chance to shine. And like I said, I'm going to try to reach out to Mr. Highsmith for you. I'm going to try to put in a good word for you. Um, like I said, I, Brian, on the same basis. I'm not lending you a job. But maybe my, it might be the difference between you getting, a, you know, a walk-on opportunity to, you know, undrafted contract. So maybe I can do uh-huh. something for you. Folks, we are joined by DeAndre Thomas, Carson Newman, quarterback, 5'11", 203, had a great pro day, ran a 4'6". He um, had a phenomenal vertical, 34. You don't see that kind of athleticism in all different kind of quarterbacks. Um, he's played under Ken Sparks, legendary coach at Carson Newman. He was a three-year mm-hmm. starter, super effective, dual threat, um, national ball all-star, and he was a, named an All-American. So one last thing before we let you go tell us a little bit about your Super Regional Combine experience at Baltimore. I thought you met uh, Emory Hunt. I know Emory quite well. We talked probably uh-huh. once or twice a week. So, um, you know, I'm a guy that knows a lot of different people. So Emory's a great guy. He's going to definitely give you the exposure that you need. But just briefly tell us about your experience in Baltimore for
1: the Super Regional. Oh, uh, That experience was great. It was a fun experience. You know, at first, you kind of kind of get a little butterflies at first. You know it's a new environment, different environment than you normally be in. But you got to understand that you this is what you've been in training for, being prepared for. So uh, quarterbacks, we went through prelim. We just kind of like stationary throws before we started warming up. And that went very well. And that's when I got my jitter bugs out of the way because I started, started to get in my zone. Uh, we just – Went through I get all the combine drills first, and uh, then we got into the throwing. And I, I did I think I did very well. The scout was telling me I did very well as as well. And he was saying that I was out of the seven quarterbacks, I was the most accurate one there. So uh, I mean it was, it was a plus for me, a good experience, and and I loved. it. I was just enjoying it, and having fun out there. That's the main thing. You got to have fun when you're out there playing.
2: That's a perfect answer, and you know we're glad you had a productive uh, Super Regional Combine. It definitely gives you looks. Obviously, you know Malcolm Butler was one of those guys, and so many other guys that you know participated got a different chance and made were difference makers going forward in the league. DeAndre, so right. um, thank you so much for your time this evening. Uh, I know you want to get back to the grind. Um, we will be thinking about you going forward. Two weeks away, folks. NFL Draft. Uh, you know, it's a big time of year for guys like DeAndre, who's pray, um, praying hopefully he can get a shot on a team. Also, there's different routes out there, DeAndre. You know, the CFL, if you still want to go to AFL, IFL, there's a lot of options out there for you. But obviously, you know, NFL is where you want to be. But we want to thank you, um, Joe and I both, to come on this evening and talk a little bit about your journey and, you know, you getting ready
1: for the NFL. So, so much for Oh, All right. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you guys for having me on the show. Thank you so much, man. We appreciate it. All right.
2: Take care, buddy. I'll be in contact with you. All right. You guys, too. <laughs> Folks, that was DeAndre. Carson Newman, quarterback, 5'11", 203. Again, he ran about a six at his pro day. He had a very good pro day. 34, Joe, on the vertical. That's pretty good for a quarterback. Um, oh, yeah. Ken Sparks, a lot of people realize that there's the Bear Bryants out there. There's a lot of great coaches. But Ken Sparks has been doing this for 36 years, and he's one of the most winning coaches of all time. And, you know, a threat guy, obviously, DeAndre said it, he he has a lot of different value uh, going forward. And he, he definitely took um, the best of his opportunities at the National Bowl, Uh, being an All-American, he's a dual threat guy, and hitting the Super Regional, that's a huge plateau for a lot of prospects that don't get that shot. Um, He also has worked with Emmanuel Orange. He's a safety. He plays at Carson Newman. He's a guy that I've been mentoring since the beginning of this year. Haven't talked to him much as of late because I've been extremely busy. Sorry, Emmanuel, if you listen to this, I I apologize. And I've also seen um, DeAndre live. He came and played at college back in October, and I was impressed of how quick he moved and how big, um, pretty much he took over the game to get his team. I think they won 63-21, to 20, 21, Joe. So it was a blowout. So we have another interview here in about 10 minutes. We have our second interview of the night, Damian Lumpkin of Gwinnville State College, um, 5'8", 175. We'll also talk about some of his accomplishments, who we're going to compare him to, and Then we will do a little more draft talk, and then we'll put a bow on it. Joe, what do you think of our first interview for this evening?
0: I I like DeAndre a lot. You know, he seems like a really smart kid. And he said, you know, a lot of the things that you don't hear um, about a lot of the kids coming out these days in terms of preparation, um, he sounds like he's a pretty mature kid, keeps himself out of trouble. Uh, You know, that's the things you want to hear these days. You know, the NFL is riddled with two guys getting – too many guys getting chances that don't deserve it. And by that, I mean, guys, you know, like Johnny Manziel, like a lot of these guys who have thrown away their opportunities for a career because they're too busy partying, too busy, you know, not preparing, too busy, not taking the game seriously, not to want to have a career. And guys like DeAndre Thomas don't get enough opportunities because of selfish players like that. So hearing some of the things he said really made me think, you know, hopefully this guy can latch on somewhere as a third quarterback. Hey, Philadelphia's looking for one. So, so, uh, Get, them, get some reaches out there, DeAndre, so you can get yourself under Doug Peterson and staff. Uh, but I think that, you know, he, he's very similar to the Russell Wilson size. Uh, he sounds like a smart kid. He sounds like a guy who, who you know, is ready to take on the challenges that'll, that will come to him at the next level. Um, so I, I was very impressed.
2: Yeah, I was impressed with the way he answered things. You know, I haven't talked to him super a lot But, you know, I'm very familiar with what he's done. Um, Obviously, I I know a lot of these small school bowls like the National Bowl, the Dream Bowl, you know, the CGS. I I do – I wouldn't say I have my hand. The only one I had my hand in was the CGS. But just getting those guys' exposures, I'm very familiar with, you know, a lot of guys like that. So, you know, I was also very impressed with the way he presented himself, the way he answered things. And, you know, also shows up on the field. He's very productive, a three-year starter. Run the 4'6". I mean, that's impressive for a quarterback particularly. And I hate to say it that county evaluators put too much grain of salt into pro day numbers for small school prospects. I mean, you look at this guy who's very productive, a three-year starter, dual threat. I mean, he put up almost 450 yards against Faldosa State, who's one of the powerhouses in D2. They ended up losing that game. But just the fact that he could take over a game and get his team back on track, obviously he he sounds like a motivator, a guy that, you know, any team would be, you know, lucky to have. So, DeAndre, I'm saying this, good luck with everything in the draft process. Stay in contact with me. Um, Also, uh, I think that we can help each other. I'm going to talk to Alonzo Highsmith and try to maybe push your name a little bit. Obviously, you know, I can't land you a job, but I do know Alonzo. We've talked uh, – he's at the CGS. So maybe, just maybe, I have a little bit of, um, you know, influence on what's going to happen. So, you know, thank you so much for coming on tonight. It's just, you know, a blessing we have, you know, different draft prospects. And, Joe, you've got to agree with me here that a lot of guys like him that are so humble – just don't get that plateaued like, you know, a Georgia guy, like a South Carolina kid, you know, a Delaware kid, guys like Carson Newman kids, interviews like this are gold money. You know, they know that interviews like this are heard by different scouts. It's just a crime that, you know, they don't get that pedestal.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, a lot of it, too, is just the way that the media portrays things these days. Obviously, we do things a little bit differently here on the direct snap, but, you know, you look at the bulk of a lot of rosters, you know, and it's not first and second round picks. It's your third through seventh. It's your undrafted. It's your it's your guys like that that are your your guys that make your roster whole, that provide that. You know, it's it's a fifty three man roster and one of the largest professional sports rosters for a reason. Um, and I think that that uh, I agree. You know, they, they they don't get the same kind of kind of platform as your your big time stars. You know, they're on, they're not on the ESPN. They're not in the the big time papers they're not on you know nfl network or or abc you know they they take a they take like you said he takes every call and takes everything he gets and he shows up prepared and he's ready to go so you know that that just shows the difference a lot of these guys you know they get handed too many things and then they they take their their opportunities for granted
2: and i think that's so great that you know guys like him are gonna work hard for an opportunity uh, and, you know, this isn't a knock on him. And, DeAndre, if you're listening to this last part before, you know, we jump into the next interview, you know, I hope you land on NFL roster. I hope you enjoy your NFL experience, get in the camp, prove people wrong. But, honestly, I think he can become a very good CFL pro. I think that he has the, the skill set that they like. Um, the CFL has so many undersized quarterbacks. They like those kind of build. I think that he can thrive with the team and, you know, eventually be a starter for this guy. But, you know, I hope and pray that this guy, DeAndre, um, that you get an opportunity with the team. A guy like – or a team like the Bills, the Eagles, the, you know, Seahawks. Um, you mentioned the Green Bay Packers. Um, Alonzo Heisman does a lot of good work. <coughs> I hope you get that opportunity. But also I think you have a huge bright future going into the CFL, and I hope that your agent is looking at that possibilities. But, Joe? We have another guest coming on in a few minutes. I'm not going to completely overwhelm our Direct Snap family with his stats yet. I'm going to kind of ease him in whenever he calls in. Um, that Tonight is particularly draft talk. We talked about the, um, the the Rams and the Titans big trade. We had a buyer buyer sell segment. Um, I'm going to propose this to you real quick before our next guest comes on buy or sell that, you know, teams don't do their homework enough in the late rounds that by then they just, they don't look hard enough that, you know, do you buy the fact that, you know, they literally don't think that these guys are good enough or do you sell the point that they're not doing their homework enough and there's too many hidden gems out there um, for them to overlook?
0: I think, I think I'm going to sell a little bit because I think, when it comes down to especially the late, late rounds, you know, that's when, you know, when you look at the draft and you look at the top, you know, the top one, two, three, you know, rounds, even all the way into the third round, there's just this, you know, what a lot of guys see and a lot of people say, just this uh, pretty much this pool or big board of players that are for the most part, just slotted to be guys in that round. And then after that, it's, your, your scouts and your team pretty much go based off of, you know, what you've looked at. And that's when it starts to open to your small school guys. And honestly, the pool of players just opens up because you go from looking at, you know, 100, 150 players in the first three rounds to looking at several hundred players between rounds four through seven. And, you know, you know the old thing, you can only take one you can't draft two guys in one pick, and I think a lot of guys wish they could, and I, that's the beauty of the undrafted free agent signing process directly after the draft. Um, but, you know, the classic cases, you know, guys like Tom Brady, guys like Marcus Colson, guys, you know, that, you know, fell in the later rounds of the draft, Richard Sherman, you know, guys that, you know, you know Sherman obviously not a small school, neither is Brady, but, but guys that, you know, were. Were late round gems, and then you see plenty of guys, like you said, who have gone on to be incredibly successful in the CFL. Cam Wake, you know, the you know teams didn't catch him on real quick enough, and he's come on to be one of the most you know productive pass rushers in the NFL. I think the the thing is that the pool of players opens up so much, and they still you know only have so many selections that they go for what is you know, for lack of a better word, the sexier pick. And if the guys are available as undrafted free agents, they go for some, but they, you know, the, the constant pressure I think sometimes leads for these guys to, to take less risks in terms of guys who haven't played at the NFL level yet.
2: You know, something I tell my mentees all the time is, would you rather be a draft pick and fizzle out in a year or two or be an undrafted free agent and make your own story? I think it's more rewarding to be undrafted and, you know, overcome all the odds. You didn't get called in the Elite 255, supposedly. And, and <coughs> excuse me, um, that I think it, it's another great opportunity for these guys to make a short A lot of these small school diamond and the rough guys didn't get the exposure they had in college. You know, they went to a small school. They become – you know, superstars and then it's still overcoming the odds that they're gonna get the shot at the next level. So many guys last year I had, you know, Brian Keyes from Minnesota State. Um he's still bouncing around, you know, different smaller leagues right now. He has potential. Carly Taylor, he spent time with the Giants, he spent time with, you know, Dallas putting that out there that small school guys can make times I think these guys get discouraged or they over-anticipate their draft stock. You know, obviously if three scouts talk to you, there's some interest. They wouldn't talk to you if they didn't think that they had any interest. But don't over-evaluate yourself to the point where you're like, I'm the best small school prospect in the country. You know, I'm better than so-and-so. I'm just, Don't do that. You know, just make your own story. Work hard and make your actions speak. So any small school guys listening tonight, just let your actions speak. And you know, if you prove everyone wrong, so be it. Don't brag about it. Just saying, you know, I had some great coaches, I had some great teammates. So just oh. okay. we are expecting another call in here in the next about forty five seconds,
0: hopefully.
1: Yes,
0: sir. just, just <clears throat> waiting on the board. Um, while we wait, though, um, looking at the quick, quick option here, uh, while we wait, quick buy or sell, you know, if he he calls in, we'll, we'll cut it off. Um, but hit you with a buy or sell, you know, you're kind of asking me about Philadelphia and what they were looking at. And pretty much what I was getting at is that I, I think for the most part, we're going to stand pat at eight and take the guy we feel is the best selection. Um, but do you buy or sell that, that looking at that, you know, obviously we're looking to look at Cleveland at the second pick, do you really buy that Cleveland is going to try to dump out of that second overall pick and and saying that essentially they feel good about trying the Robert Griffin experience for a year or two, or do you sell that? And do you think that they're just hoping that somebody tries to give them a Titan desk offer um, for, for, you know, this, the huge action and this team to, to, or not Hugh Jack, Yeah. Huge action this team to go forward.
2: Well, you know, I'm, I'm buying the fact that the Cleveland Browns are probably going to hold on to that pick, particularly because, you know, there's one and two, Carson Wentz, um, Jared Goff, but then the huge drop-off in quarterback. Now, if they love Paxton Lynch, which I haven't heard that, that they're going to probably trade down, and they will get a person like Philly to trade up, and someone to get up, you know, Carson Wentz or Jared Goff, it's only how they feel about Jericho. I'm, you know, buying the fact that they're going to hold on to the back. I'm selling the point, and I'm just giving both spectrums. I'm selling the point that the Browns don't need a quarterback. So, we'll definitely see.
0: Yeah, I think that, I don't know, Lucas, as much as I would like to believe that somebody might do another crazy trade just because it's fun when that happens, I look at that, and, and, and nothing against Griff, who, hey, honestly, keep Griff as a starter. I see him in week one, then, because the Eagles play the Browns at home, so it'd be a familiar foe. Um, but just because of the injury history and everything like that, and looking at the fact that Josh McCown is still your backup quarterback um, and Johnny Manziel is gone, you know, I don't feel too great still necessarily about a one-two punch staying healthy and productive. So, worst case scenario, you get a rookie quarterback who, if those guys go down, you can just give him valuable reps. I think that it's too too valuable for Cleveland to, to pass on one of the two quarterbacks considering they're in a position to get one of them, even though I'm still not, you know, I'm still not sold my Carson Wentz. I'm not necessarily ever going to be until he proves me wrong in the pros. I've been wrong before. I like being proved wrong in this scenario, but I'm just not a big fan of his. Um, but there we go. And, guys, I'm about to introduce our second guest of the night. Uh, it's going to be Damon Lamp- Lampkin again, the guy that uh, David was talking about a little bit earlier. He's a wide receiver out of Glenville State College. Um, and I'm going to let David take it away. Damon, are you there? Yeah, this is me. How are you this evening,
2: Oh, I'm doing wonderful, man. Uh, just talking a little bit of draft or bringing different prospects on this evening. And we have a unique opportunity to talk to Damon Lampkin, Gwynville State college wide receiver. Um, he's a corner, and he's also played running back. He's a jack of all trades, and teams are going to love that about him. He's 5'8, 175. Uh, he was a 2016 Arizona Regional Combine participant. Um, he also runs track, which I think you're still in your season right now. Uh yeah. he's definitely quick, he's got a lot of speed, uh he plays flat, he's a kick returner, and uh I'm gonna talk more about some player comparisons a little bit later on. And someone that I'm familiar with from Glenville State that I've been working with at the top of the draft class. It's been a little while since I've talked to him as well, but we're gonna move forward. Um Damon, thanks for joining us this evening. No problem. Thanks for having me. On. And you know, Guys like that, you know, have a, you know, like you have extreme athleticism. Obviously, you can take the top off of the defense. Your special teams value is through the roof, which is going to elevate you to a different status in draft prospects. It's, you're going to be a guy that, you know, is going to win his opportunity going forward with special teams, though you can play in the slot and you've got good hands, you're, you know, exceptionally quick. You have that Philly Brown, John Brown kind of build that they really like. But let's start with the um, the beginnings. Let's talk about your recruiting process and how you got to where you're at. Um, why did you pick the school you picked and, you know, the relationship with the coaches you had going forward?
0: Um, coming out of my JUCO, I had a few offers from Division II. Uh, I had this whole conference, basically, besides uh, Chevrolet University. But um, getting to where... I am right now, basically. um, I was going to go to Weber State. I was uh, being recruited by them heavily. Um, A couple weeks before I was going to sign to them, their whole coaching staff actually got uh, terminated
1: from their school.
0: So I got a call down here from Coach Mack, and a couple of the guys that I knew back home were going to come here. Um, Rob Warden was one of them. And um, we all kind of grouped up and it was like, you know, let's kind of take over the conference. so fine signed with them, and then from there it kind of, like, lifted off.
2: It's so important to have a good relationship with the coaching staff. Um, also joining me is Joe Klein. Joe Klein is my humble co-host. He might have a few questions or two just to give you a heads up in case you hear another voice come in. I'm not going to completely spook you, even though he brought you in. So um, going forward with this, what do you value in your game the most going forward? In this process, obviously, you know, you stand out. You went to the Super Regional Combine that, you know, you have so many different abilities that teams will crave at one. you got that speed, need for speed. But what is the ability that sets you apart that's going to give you possibly the opportunity
1: in the NFL
2: or CFL or, you know, possibly a smaller
0: league? Um I definitely have um versatility in my game going from corner to receiver to kick return, punt return, slot receiver, outside receiver. It doesn't really matter where you put me. Uh I, de- I think I definitely be uh productive in, in any situation. So probably versatility would have to be it.
2: It's so important to have different abilities. And, you know, something that makes you stand out is the fact that you can play different positions going forward. And I know Joe wanted to bring up the fact that, you know, what position would you feel most comfortable with going forward? But I'm going to let him ask you this question because this is something I know he wanted to ask. Joe, what did you want to ask us? <clears> that
0: one of the things I want to ask, because we've, we've seen a couple of cases of this, um, but being that you're a multi-sport athlete, you know, a football player, a track player, um, you know, obviously a tremendous athlete, do you feel that because of that you're a little bit more prepared to be an athlete and to be a player at the next level? Do you think that gives you an edge ahead of, uh, you know, some of the guys who necessarily don't push their bodies in different sports? Um, definitely, because uh, I was like running try. And uh, playing football, you you have different types of workouts, and uh,
1: you kinda, it kind of
0: prepares you. Like, football prepares you the competitive side for track, and track prepares me just in the long run for football just because I can maintain stamina, um, strengthen my legs, so breaking tackles, things like that um, kind of puts me ahead of the game uh, just by a little bit just because you, you know, uh, experience different things in both sports. Absolutely. And especially the, the one of the things you put out in stamina and being that you're a special teams guy, you know, that leads to the, you know, one of the biggest plays um, in, in sports, in, in the game of football is kick returns. And we've been seeing a lot of rule changes, um, you know, towards kick returns. I'm personally truly against them. Um, so being a special teams guy, I want to kind of get your take on, on how important you think that side of the ball is and, and how fun it is and what it's like to be on special teams. Uh, people. When 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 people think about football, they usually think about big plays on offense, big plays on defense. But um, special teams is actually thirty three percent of the game, and people don't really put a you know big stamp on that. But um, being a being you know, a kick returner, um, a guy that can come off the edge and punt block or field goal block or set the wedge, actually um, that I did this year also. Um, you just, you know, you gotta you gotta value your trainers and the guys on special teams because they do make up a, a huge part of the game. Right, I got one last question for you here. Um, what do you think in terms of of going into the NFL, preparing for the draft, and, and trying to be a draft prospect, a guy who can play wide receiver uh, with the skills could probably pay, play a little bit of running back, defensive back, you know, just. Just a very versatile player. What do you think, though, are your best skills translating to the NFL? Um, my best skills as a player definitely would have to be my quickness and like small areas making guys miss. Um, people would bring up, you know, I went to a Division Two, uh, so talent isn't any like it's lower than Division One, but uh. I just feel like that wouldn't be a difference if I played in the Division One. I. I feel like my talents will take me past anybody. I can make guys miss no matter what division we're in. Um,
1: I would have to say, you know, coming from Division Two, and uh, I feel like the process has been, has been amazing,
0: tremendous so far. Uh, I talked to a few teams already as it is, and um, you know, I'm just ready to kind of on to the next level it showcase my talent
2: no, I think it's so important that you know you have that ability to provide you know versatility you know you play the slot you're very quick you know you got very good soft hands um, you know I work with one of your um one of guys at Glenville State his anthony uh, Gartel. he's one of okay, the yeah. um Anthony, I've been working with him all year. Tell me about your relationship with him. He's a guy obviously buying you time so you can get upfield or, you know, maybe on special teams he's, you know, giving you a little bit of a push. But tell me about your relationship with Anthony. Um, have you all been grinding together, getting ready for this um, draft
0: process? Um, actually, me and Anthony are, are uh, great teammates. Uh, we had a bowl game at the end of the season that we went to, you know, uh shared the same hotel we got to really know each other um as of right now i don't believe that he's at school but he might be training on an off-campus uh facility um i'm actually training with uh our track coach and our strength and conditioning coach and uh another receiver up here
2: and you know it's still good to have a relationship with coaches you know, either on the track team or, you know, the football team, I think it's good that, you know, you're honing your skills. And, and sometimes, you know, guys help each other out to make yeah,
0: definitely.
2: them. Uh, you attended Shepherd University's Pro Day. Obviously you have some ties to Shepherd. They've possibly brought you in for, you know, to be in a recruit. Uh, I was, you know, I know the staff pretty well at Shepard. Uh, they've had a lot of different draft prospects. Tell us about your Pro Day and, you know, did you think you left a very good impression on the many teams that showed up?
0: Yeah, um, there was a few teams that showed up. Uh, I ran a good time, a low 4-4. I jumped 35, but I jumped uh, 9-5. I did pretty good in the position drills. Um, Got contacted by a team that was there, uh, Los Angeles Rams. Got contacted by them last week. Uh, just to touch bases and see, you know, how the process is going or whatever. And um, it was pretty good, just just a good experience from, uh, you know, going to the regional combine, kind of more relaxed uh, than the regional combine. So I put up some pretty good numbers. Um, And from there, I'm feeling pretty confident about what I did.
2: You know, the
0: staff family – Obviously they can go to
2: NFL.com, you know, type in any type of guy up there on the receiving end or, you know, return specialist and look who Lance or compared to him. But let's ask you, you know, you're a little diamond up here that, you know, we're trying to put on a pedestal here to try to get you some looks. Who do you compare your game to or who do you, who have you watched, you know, in your time with college football? Who's a guy that you like your game a lot like and, how have you prepared your game to match that or surpass the ability? Um,
0: I definitely model my game after a few people. Um, and it, the first couple of guys would have to be um, Steve Smith, uh, just his relentless, relentlessness on how to, uh, you know, go after the ball. He's, uh, he's really passionate about the game. That's um, think I feel like he's uh, he's probably a guy that uh, is a big playmaker when it comes to you know starting the game up. If you need a big play, he's going to make it. Another guy would have to be Tyran Matthews, although he does play defensive back. And um, you know, I'm, I'm coming in as a receiver. Um, something about him, you know, he's he's, he's just a winner overall. He uh, overcomes a lot of adversity uh gender. diversity is definitely um, something
2: that... interesting point there um have you ever been familiar with this game uh Damien? Folks, I think we have some technical difficulties, and I think I'm talking the dead air. Um, let's see if we can get this back going. Um, one second.
0: Are you still with us? All right. I think I'm the only one on right now. Um, Damon, are you still with us? don't think so. I'm um, sorry about that, guys, and sorry to you, Damon. Unfortunately, Blog Talk Radio's website crashed right in the middle of that interview. Um, can't call Worst worse timing with that. Um, unfortunately, I don't know what happened there. Hold on, I'm going to get Dave in. You with me, Dave?
2: Yeah, I can hear you. Unfortunately, everyone, Blog Talk just kind of crapped. Um, we're shaking our fists at the radio guides. We've got about nine minutes left. We're gonna to try to get Mr. Lampkin back on for a few more moments to thank him for his time. You know, we got a lot of the beep of it, but I wanted to give him his player comparison, which is actually quite lofty. Um Joe, I don't know if you looked it up beforehand to see who this guy was.
0: But let me um, let me let me get him in real quick. Sorry about that, Dan. We got you back on.
1: No problem. Block Talk Radio
2: had its little crash, and we are back up. We've got about eight minutes left in the show. We're going to wrap this up with a bow on top. Um, We've got about five minutes left with Mr. Lampkin. So um, if you're just now joining us, even after this long pause, we are joined by wide receiver Damon Lampkin, wide receiver from Glenfield State. He also plays corner, running back, plays in the slot, super quick. He's a track athlete, super talented. Um, we talked about Anthony, his relationship with Anthony. Um, he attended Shepherd's Pro Day. He had a really good day. He opened some eyes. And I was just about to talk about pro player comparisons on my end because he also talked about um, who he reminds us came around. But a guy that you personally remind me of is Glenn uh, or Milburn, um, a guy that you probably have never heard of. Uh, have you heard of him, Mr.
1: Lane? <laughs> I've never heard of him. <laughs> I'm, sure, he, okay. I'm um, sure he's a
2: talented guy, though. Well, you know, I, you can ask Joe. I am never a guy that shies away from a comparison that makes no sense. But if you look at the film and the accolades and the size and everything, Joe doubts for me here. Uh, don't I usually bring up some pretty good comparisons?
0: Yeah, I mean, he's pretty spot on. Like, it's, it's kind of uncanny.
2: And uh, a guy like Glenn Milburn, and it, correct me if I'm wrong, that you were born in California. Yes, sir. Believe it or not, Glenn was born in California. He's 5'8", about 190. So y'all are about the same size. He's a kick returner, punt returner guy who played a little bit of corner, running back. He was played in the slot. Um, This guy was drafted before any of us were born. Um, He was drafted in the 1988 draft um, from Stanford, 1993. Excuse me, he he started his days in – Oklahoma in 1988, and uh, he was drafted in 1993, second round, 43rd overall pick. And if you just watch his tape, he's an explosive playmaker that has a lot of speed. I encourage you, Mr. Lampkin, to look him up. Uh, It's a pretty fair comparison. It's a pretty lofty one, too. He's one of the best to ever play special teams. Um, He's just not a guy that a lot of people are familiar with because Dave West always brings the best comparisons that people haven't heard of, but then when they look at it, it's like, you know, I see it. So that's who I compare a game to around. Let's move into the rapid fire section. We've got about three minutes left. Um, Just a few fun fun things that we usually try to throw out there. Um, So they're just basic fun questions. Would you like to participate in a little rapid fire?
0: Sure, that's fine.
2: Okay, let's start. Let's go with Chinese food or Mexican food. Mexican food. Mexican food close to my heart. Um let's go with Xbox 360, Xbox 1 or PS3 PS4. PS4. Oh, PS4. Uh last guy we had on said Xbox 1. Um Maybe <laughs> DO or Johnny Bravo.
1: Johnny Bravo. Oh, nice. two
2: two? Yes. <laughs> uh Joe, do you have any Rapid Fire?
0: Oh, man, I don't know. I just love the fact that both guys chose Johnny Bravo. That's just awesome. Um, I got to know, though, why PS4 over the Xbox One? Any particular reason? Uh, No, My, you know, my dad was a PlayStation guy, and he bought all the PlayStations, all the games, so I kind of just got hooked to PlayStation 4. Been a you know, PlayStation fan since PlayStation 1, so... Oh, man, I know how it is. I was a Sony kid for a long time, so I know how it is. I've been thinking about making the Switch again. <laughs> yeah,
2: I played um, PlayStation back in the day, and then my brother brought home a 360 one day, and it kind of changed our, my whole perspective on gaming. But um, just one more rapid-fire question. Actually, it's not really rapid-fire. It's kind of serious. Uh, you have a general manager sitting in front of you for you an know, interview. You have a chance to sell yourself to this guy. You said, you know, there's a possibility we need a kick returner, a guy that can play special teams. Um, why do you think or why are you a good fit for my franchise? Why should we take a chance on you? What would you tell them?"
0: I would tell him that um, you can use me in, you know, any part of the game. I'm a Swiss Army knife, so uh, where you put me in, I'll, you know, make the best of all opportunities. I'm um, really passionate about the game. I'm gonna go hundred and ten percent every route, every play, every second. Um, I'm here to help the team win and um I just you know, I I, I give it my all so
1: that's it I guess.
2: Folks Damon Lumpkin or Lampkin, excuse me, wide receiver, Glenville State, five eight, one seventy five. Before we let you go, quick um thing to talk about is your twenty sixteen Arizona regional um combine experience tell us about that whole situation i had a guy that was there last year for the super regional tell us about um your super or your regional combine experience at arizona uh the
0: regional combine was uh, was an amazing experience uh closest thing you get to the you know the the national nfl combine um you know got there seen a, a lot of big guys you know teams from you know people from washington nebraska all the top you know division one schools and um just being able to you know go out there and perform and uh turn some heads over the you know the top prospects there um uh, got a few interviews after from uh- lo- local radio stations um you know websites and things like that and I uh, talked to a few teams it was it it was probably one of the best football experiences, you know, I've had. And stuff like
2: that is so rewarding to put yourself on a pedestal going forward. Um, Mr. Lampkin, thank you so much for your time this evening. We enjoyed it. Sorry for the hiccups. Um, No problem. Website crashed. I will send you a link on this. I will be in contact with you going forward. Uh, We might bring you in. Hopefully you're landing on an NFL squad, and we can come back and reflect about your experience in the NFL.
0: Folks,
1: I definitely appreciate it,
0: guys. Um, thanks for all the support. and man, Let's pray and see if I'm back on the show with the team.
2: That would be awesome. We'd love to have you.
0: Absolutely, Thank you. man. Thank you so much. No problem.
2: Folks, Damon Lampkin, Glenville statewide receiver, um, regional combine participant, very quick guy. Um, I gave him a very lofty comparison. Gil Melbourne, if you're listening still, Mr. Lampkin, Uh, he's actually in the AFL now. He's a a, a, um, personnel director, so maybe you can look him up and maybe get some advice or, you know, advice from him. But, Joe, it's been a great night. Uh, We've had, you know, lots of good draft talk. We talked about the huge blockbuster trades today. We had a few buy-or-sell segments, and we had two wonderful interviews, two guys that definitely had their head on straight going forward with this process. Joe, do you have any closing words before I let you sail the, the
0: boat to the sunset. I don't, my man. I don't. Uh, I think Live Talk's changing up a little bit. I think we're still streaming the end of the show. I'm not sure. But to wrap it up in case we still have a little bit of time left, uh, again, like Dave said, two great interviews tonight. Um, we're hoping to get another big one next week. But we're going to keep that one under wraps for you guys. It's a big surprise. Um, again, thank you to the two gentlemen tonight, DeAndre Thomas and uh, Damon Lampkin. You guys were great. We hope to have you on again soon. And best of luck to you gentlemen in the future. Uh, But other than that, we'll see you again next week, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time, for another live edition of The Direct Snap. As always, with my boy David West, we wish you a great night.
2: Take care, everyone. It is Ryan here, and I have a question
0: for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?